EDM champions. What's up to all of you out there, man? You guys look great. And this week, we got big questions and new info about how 2021 may shape up for us rave heads, all right? Plus, we got new music from Dead Mouse, David Guetta, Gentleman's Club, and more. You already know what we got to do. Cue the intro. DM champions, what is going on? Welcome to episode 80 of Beyond the Beats, a podcast about EDM news and culture. I can't believe we're here. 80 episodes deep. And you know what that calls for? That calls for a vibe. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, my on repeat is Camel Fat teaming up with Art Bat, featuring Rhodes on the vocals. Just so so nice there you're hearing it up building in the background because this is their track for a feeling let's check it out First off, I just want to thank you for finally telling me the name of this track because I've heard this song before in so many sets and I just don't know why like I was never able to like locate it or like recognize it. You know what I mean? But dude, this just makes so much sense that this is Camel Fat and Art Bat right here. And I got to say, I just got to say, Rhodes on these vocals is mm -hmm. the cherry on top. He sounds <laughs> so good. And I got to say, the Vibe King over there has taken the vibes to the next level because <laughs> I, I see you, man. You took some days off from work. You're chilling out. That's what I love to see. That's what I love to see. But do you know what else I love to see, EDM champions? It's the brand new music we're about to be talking about. And we're firing it off first with Dead Mouse. You already know it. With Kiesa. They teamed up for the song. Bridged by a light wave. Wow. Let's take a listen. You know, man, at first, 
I wasn't entirely sure if I was going to like the song at the beginning. It was kind of like, oh, this feels a bit cookie cutter, a bit hmm. generic. But you know what? Actually, I'll have to take my hats off to Dead Mouse here and Chiesa on the vocals because this turns out to be a really, really nice progressive song. I'm all about it. And I think Dead Mouse is saying that he is back in action and I can't wait for him to put out other releases like this. What do you think? Dude, this is a big way to start off today's episode. We got a brand new track from Dead Mouse, and I love, I mean, dude, I, I love Kiesa, man. She's got that haunting yet elegant sound to her. I don't know how she does it, but she kills it every time. And I gotta say, man, I am impressed with the overall package of this release. Why am I saying that? I'll tell you why. There's a lot to like here, right? There's like these raw analog sounds in the main version of this track. And then in the more dubbed down version, which mm. uh, Dead Mouse is calling the alternative mix, is a bit more atmospheric. And I really love how Dead Mouse included two different versions of this track. But dude, let's switch it up a little bit, all right? We got Petite Biscuit and Diplo. This guy's everywhere. But Petite Biscuit and Diplo, they just released a brand new track called Pick Your Battles. Let's take a listen. Very, very surprised by this track, my man. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Petit Biscuit, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. He bought the biscuits and he brought the tea, all right? Because this You know a lot track, about that, man. Oh, I know so much about the scones and everything in the sides, but... <laughs> But, you know, instead of this, this isn't really a tea type of vibe song, all right? Mm. So instead of some Earl Grey, which I love and absolutely recommend on any other occasion in time, I would probably recommend some nice bourbon to go along with the Ooh. southern type of style with it, right? Those, those guitars. Seems like it's more of a southern type of vibe. So get some Kentucky bourbon, right? Maybe some Maker's Mark. Pour it out. Take a listen and one, two step to this one because it is a certified vibe. My man, what'd you think? I know you like your liquor dark, but dude, here it is, right? I'm going to tell you this right now. Okay, for me, this is like cracking open a nice ice cold can of White Claw Black Cherry, okay? Ooh. I think Petite Biscuit and Diplo, dude, they complement each other very, very well here. And when I saw that Petite Biscuit and Diplo were on the same track together, I honestly was a bit concerned. But those, <laughs> those Southern US guitars, man, so beyond smooth. This isn't the song to rage to, but it's a great track to just kind of be stuck in deep thought with, you know? I can just imagine like Leonardo DiCaprio listening to this song <laughs> as he's driving through the middle of a New Mexico desert. The camera pans up, revealing a gorgeous sunset, and there's a fade to black. Let's really put this shit into reverse now, all right? We got Bear Grylls, Riot 10. Oh, they boy. teamed up with Bach Nero for the track, Run It. Let's run it up. I don't like those sounds you're giving me, Alec. I don't like oh, those man. sounds. And I'll even just knock my microphone because I'm just like, <laughs> oh, 
you know, I, I really don't know entirely how I feel about this. I know the direction that they were headed in. I could see what they were trying to do, the different call and response sequences going back and forth. I thought that was a really interesting, you know, way to do it. And a lot of dubstep or rather I should say rhythm songs are doing that nowadays. Mm. But I feel like there's something missing from it. And to be honest, I'm not a fan of the the hype man vocals with it. I, I'm not sure if it's necessarily needed. You know, maybe they could do it on the <laughs> intro, but I'm not just that. It seems a bit too much all over the place and a lack of cohesion to really make it a true banger for me. You know, it, it feels like they were just trying to do a bit too much and kind of lost a core singular sound to it or theme. Mm. What do you think? Dude, I know you're a bit confused about how you feel, but I know exactly how I feel about this song. And this is just too much, man. And I mean that in the worst way possible. (laughs) Zero cohesion between any of these artists. Bachner's vocals, I'm telling you, and I agree with you, did not fit in with the overall aura of this song, dude. I hate like these hype up, jump up, MC, like everybody, let's go, let's get fucking crazy. No, we don't (laughs) always need that shit. And it did not work here. And I'm not forgetting about you, Bear Grylls and Ride 10. You guys were just doing way too much. What a mess. I never want to hear this song again. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm saying it like it is. But somebody that really redeemed it in the bass music scene, for me at least, Alec, Gentleman's Club, they just released Mm, the mm four-track Bones EP. Alec, you and I are going to agree on this one. We got to play Ocean Drive. Let's spin it. Ocean Drive, Ocean Drive. Dude, I'm kind of speechless at this one. What a banger. What an absolute banger of a track. It's the bangers and mash right now of dubstep with Trapper. They're just so creative. And, you know, this, this EP overall, I was very, very impressed with. It shows the maturity of Gentleman's Club coming into their sound mm. and just being able to show off a, a real breadth, but yet also depth in terms of their sound and the types of elements that they're incorporating into their tracks. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to be in the same place here as uh, me here, Samir, but the first song I was iffy about, mm. but really just right after that, just it went from strength to strength for me. Ocean Drive was my favorite, but you got a bunch of other fantastic tracks in there as well. I won't steal your thunder, Samir, because I know you got <laughs> your thoughts. What, what What's on your mind with this one? Dude, this, uh, this EP got me... Uh, Chived? No, chuffed, right? What what was the word? Chuffed, not chived. Chived. (laughs) Chuffed. This this, uh, four-track EP got me chuffed, dude. It got me chuffed up, right? I'll be honest, uh, and I'll agree with you on this one. I was a bit concerned after listening to this first track off this EP, Bones, uh, and this is also the title of this EP. Bones, in my opinion, was the worst track of this four-track EP, all right? But Mm -hmm. Gentleman's Club, man... They have always been known to put out tracks that just absolutely bang. And then some tracks get you in your feels without being cheesy. I'm looking at you, Elenium. Like, you know, after, after Bones, we had an absolutely smashing old school style dubstep track in a black featuring MC Spida on the vocals. Mm-hmm. And yo, straight up. 
Bach Nero, this is how you do the MC vocals oh. right here. Ooh. Pay attention to MC Spider, all right? And I absolutely love the grittiness of it. And then, dude, Paige Eliza delivering an absolutely stunning vocal performance on Ocean Drive mm -hmm. like we had just played. And then, of course, to end it, You Do Me Like That featuring Ryan Haynes was just... It was a nice departure from the rest of the EP, but it was still unique and cohesive, and I thought it fit in perfectly with the rest of these releases. So I'm stoked on this. I'm stoked on Gentleman's Club. I want to see these guys live real bad. But speaking of people that I want to see live real bad, the artists that we're watching are just on another caliber of talent, and we got some brand new music to talk about with them. Alec, why don't you go ahead, introduce who are we talking about first. Give it to me straight, baby. Dude, straight up, these two are taking over the liquid DMB scene, the DMB scene in general, because this track actually isn't the usual liquid style. We talked about them, I think it was a few months ago, right? Mm -hmm. But in most are just tearing it up right Ooh. now. And they tore up this new track that they dropped with Tenem, who's definitely on my radar now, hasn't really, I haven't really heard of him or her before, but this track is something that you're going to hear going around the festival circuits in 2021. Let's give ones and twos a spin. My lord, what a track. Talk about some immaculate drum and bass that just transports you into a dark basement with a single strobe light <laughs> and thumping sound system. Inmost and Tenum, dude, I mean, these guys have just managed to take that feeling and compress that into a four-minute track, and it just works. Mm -hmm. Such a fantastic call and response, as Alec likes to say, on this song. I mean, you all need to head to the show notes and listen to the whole thing. Also, Big shout out to those hi-hats and the little triangle yeah. dings on the drop. <laughs> yes, indeed. So subtle, yet so effective. I, I'm loving this. Alec, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much gave my thoughts on it all already because yeah. it, it was just, it, what a great, great track. And it's just really cool to see the diversity that they're able to employ. I, I know it's like beating a dead horse over the head when I say diversity and creativity, but it's true. That's what I really like to see in tracks and see producers and duos extend themselves beyond their normal musical boundaries. And that's what Inmost did with this. And you know what? It was a successful venture indeed. Dude, I'm loving your positivity right now. Really am. All right, we got one more track to talk about and I'm so pumped up to be talking about her again. We're talking about Villa. She just released a brand new track called In My Head and we got Navy Hugh on the vocals. Let's take a listen. Someone wake me up and tell me it's a dream Spinning like a top spinning I wanna wake up, say it's not what it seems Is it in my 
My head is so suitable for this to me because can I tell you and I told all the gym champions this as yeah, well yeah. okay give it to me it just gets stuck in my head it really really does I mean this is the, the vocals to the production to how clean everything is sounding you would really think this is done by a big name DJ and producer but I tell you it's not because Villa is on the rise and someone to look out for in my opinion mm. I mean Obviously, everyone that we've mentioned on this podcast, we think should be, you know, definitely checked out and put onto the radars. But Villa is really, really doing something very unique here, crafting her own little space and area. I mean, what, Smith, what would you even call this type of music? It's like melodic trap with yeah. vocal. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I'm calling it melodic trap, dude. But I, I, here's the thing. I'm really, really stoked that you're pumped up on Villa. I'm so pumped up. She is making New York City proud all right mm-hmm. she just did the fucking thing again dude taking melodic trap to the absolute next level and releasing something with so much impact i mean dude villa and navy hue synergy baby synergy right there you already know it <laughs> i'm telling you all right now villa has a very very bright future ahead of her and i think she is one of the most exciting artists in the underground melodic trap scene do not miss out on watching her meteoric rise but Alec, oh, I got to catch my breath, dude. But let me ask you something, man. How do the EDM champions just get connected with all these artists we just talked about? How can they do it? Oh, it's rather simple. There's a thing called the World Wide Web, okay? Mm. There's a, it's an interesting new thing that not everyone might be familiar with. But just in case you want to get your first website up and loaded on the web, go check out beyondthebeats.co because when you get there, you'll find all things beyond the beats that you could care about. But most importantly, you'll find all of the links to the people that we have mentioned in this show, the people that you must and need to be supporting. But if you want to get in touch with us, right? We want to get in touch with you. We want mm. to connect with you on a more personal, basic level. Check out our Instagram. That's at btb.pod. On Twitter, we're at podbtb. And on Facebook, we've got a Facebook page as well. Just type in Beyond the Beats Podcast and you'll find us right there. Samir. Bro, thank you. Very thank welcome. you so much. EDM Champions, thank you for being you. You look fantastic. You're glowing. Is that a new outfit? Is that a new haircut? It's working. It's working. Look at yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself you are amazing because you are. And speaking of amazing people, we got the EDM champion question of the week to kick off our news and culture section. So big shout out to Riley from Austin, Texas. Thank you for sending in this dope question because it's something that I know Alec and I ponder a lot about. And we're actually going to be talking about this a little bit more as we go on in the show, talking about some of the updates. All right. But here's Riley's question. What is 2021 going to look like for the dance music scene, specifically for live events? And this question could not have come at a better time because we just got some updates for you, which we'll talk about in our next topic. But Alec, I think it really depends on where you are in the world. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Specifically, I mean, look, we can look at places like China where they're having events once again. We can look at places like Taiwan where they just had uh, Ultra Taiwan just literally take place this past weekend. So yeah, that happened. All right. And then we can look at other countries around the world where we're seeing COVID cases spike up once again, which is a really, really discouraging sight to see. And that really jeopardizes the future of live events returning in in some capacity, let alone 100% normal capacity like we were seeing pre-COVID-19 pandemic. In the U.S., because I know our audience is based, is primarily based in the U.S., it's very, very iffy. I mean, there mm-hmm. is going to be an have to be a complete overhaul, a complete restructure about how we approach live events. For instance, we are seeing some festivals do testing for their attendees before they come into the festival. Here's a good one. Elements in the New York City area. These guys have been putting on festivals in New Jersey and New York with a very, very limited capacity where they send you uh, a test that you have to do a week out before an event and then you have to take another test at the door and you have to test negative before you can come in. They'll do temperature checks. So it's a complete restructure of how we were seeing live events before the COVID-19 pandemic. Alec, I know this is a topic that really interests you. So I want to hear your thoughts. Give it to me, baby. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, man, when you said it depends on where you live. It really, really does. Just because the countries to even in the US, the states can make all the difference when it comes to putting on and going to live events. But just from an overall kind of macro perspective here, I think 2021 is going to be a much better year for live events music and especially Mm. for edm i i really do i'm kind of bullish on it being a bit better now i don't think it's going to be better in the early part of 2021 right we're probably looking more at next summer that that type of time but I, i think just as venues as promoters as record labels and as the producers and djs themselves become more accustomed to dealing with COVID guidelines and safety precautions, we're going to see an influx of more live events. Now, I do want to put a word of caution out here because the one Mm. thing I do worry about is that we're going to, we're kind of fatigued from all the COVID precautions. And I'm sure, you know, it's a nightmare to put on a show from the venue or the promoter's perspective and then for the DJ to get there and comply with anything. I am sure that is very, very fatiguing, but we cannot slip too much with this it's going to be pushing off live events further and further so i mean that's really my perspective on it i'm definitely more bullish on it than i would have been probably a couple months ago well all right fine i'm using the corporate (laughs) slang here right we can put in some corporate like you said synergy you said synergy he buys one share of apple in his robin hood account (laughs) and now he's just completely bullish on everything i'm sorry alec go on oh my god all right mr synergy over there but you know I, i think just last thoughts on it is that 2021 is going to be a really pivotal year, I think, not just for the in-person live events, but just seeing how the transformation of virtual experiences occurs. Thank you so much for shedding a little bit of the Alec Prieto insight into what we can expect for 2021. But let's go a little bit further. Let's take that a step further. All right, let's talk about what's going on right now with Live Nation. All right, Alec... (laughs) I mean, this is this is kind of good news here, right? So Live yes. Nation is saying here that they are expecting to see shows at scale next summer. So what does that mean, shows at scale? 
basically what that's saying is that we're not going to see like Madison Square Garden jam-packed with 100,000 people. We're going to see that scaled back a little bit. We're going to see some extra precautions uh, taken into place here. We're going to see less crowds and more protocols in place to make these shows and these events safer. All right. And let me provide a little bit more context here on this, right? So Ticketmaster, which is owned by Live Nation, they've announced plans to bring back live events while utilizing COVID-19 tracking technology. All right. So their plan is to team up with services like Clear Health Pass or IBM Digital Health Pass and other testing and vaccine distributors to confirm that the attendees have either recently tested negative or have been administered the vaccine as the vaccine is rolled out. So kind of combining these services with the Ticketmaster system will allow Ticketmaster to hold safer events. And Live Nation is obviously a great benefit of this service since their venues and their subsidiaries will also once again be able to host events and hopefully become profitable. All right. Okay. So Alec, that's like the skinny of it. And I know Alec has pretty much a, a Bible passage that he wants to talk about here. So Alec, go ahead, man. Give it to us. Well, you know, I think I think a good place to start with this is wondering why they're so, I'm going to use this term again, bullish, right? Love it. Right. Why Live Nation is so bullish on next summer. And a lot of this has to do with the recent results from clinical trials by some of the big pharma companies out there. So namely, and I say specifically because this was announced kind of a few days after Pfizer and BioNTech announced that their vaccine has recently showcased 90% efficacy during the first set of the results in their phase three clinical trials, which for references, phase three is when you start testing in humans showing for efficacy. Now, just, just for context, so people understand what the efficacy means and where that number comes from, it's rather simple. It's determined by looking at the split of COVID cases between the placebo group and the vaccine group. That 90% number, therefore, comes from being 90% fewer cases of COVID-19 relative to the placebo group. So that is really, really promising and very, very good to see. Now, while this all sounds really, really good, and it is, I don't want to get too downish here, or rather downer, I don't want to be a downer here. Um, it's not even a word, I just made up one. Um, we, we need to be very cautious, okay? Because one, there's more data to, be, to become, right? Two, this vaccine was shown to be protective against symptomatic disease, but we still don't know how effective it is against preventing severe COVID-19 disease. Another point, that we need to take into consideration is that we're not sure if this vaccine is effective in preventing infection, right? So this may sound peculiar to some people. They're like, oh, if you're vaccine, you're automatically immune. That's actually not the case. Some vaccines are able to provide full immunity so that the cells in your body literally cannot become infected. However, a lot of vaccines and the ones currently in the market, uh, things like flu, for instance, give you mm -hmm. enough immunity so that you can kick the virus out of your body quickly. So if the vaccine cannot prevent infection, that could potentially mean that a person who has been vaccinated will be fine, but could pass the virus onto somebody else. So this is why it's so important that people get vaccinated. This will help the US and the entire globe build up that herd immunity, because you can imagine if it's not preventing you from being infected, 
you're you're going to be fine. You kick it out of your system. But if someone else that you up to come up to, like at a rave, for instance, and you swap some candy with them, they never got swap the some vaccine. Candy, you right? start smooching. You know, <laughs> so you share a water sm- bottle. Exactly. You never, dude. There's a lot of wild things that happen at these things. A lot of wild things. That person can get it if they didn't get the vaccine. The last thing to bear in mind is that efficacy is different from effectiveness, all right? Mm. So the efficacy is how effective the vaccine is in a lab and controlled system, so a study, whereas the effectiveness is actually the real-world non-lab environment and how effective it is at protecting people. So the efficacy is usually higher than that real-world effectiveness, quote-unquote. What is considered to be a very, very successful vaccine is guess what percentage it would be? Uh, I remember hearing this. I want to say it's like thirty-five percent. Oh man, you, you're going to kill some people with that number there. No, it's not that low. <laughs> what All right, is it? we're going up. It's about fifty to sixty percent. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, it's probably going to come down to that range in terms of it's a real-world effectiveness, probably around sixty percent. But I mean, ninety percent is just so high. If you're wondering where I found out a lot of this information from, check out the show notes because I will put up some different, you know. Outlets that you can check, Stat News is one, and they've actually got a great podcast as well. And you can take a look into some of Pfizer's press releases, which will shed a lot of light on what they're doing. So this is really is why Live Nation is expecting things to be better next summer because of how the vaccinations are coming along. Now, secondly, what I want to say on this topic is I think it's very interesting how much innovation seems to be going on here in terms of creating live events, right? Yeah, totally. It's very interesting to see. I am slightly concerned still because, you know, this this is a high stakes game type of thing, right? Like we can't really screw this up. I think before we even really start thinking about deploying these, we just need to get the new case positivity rate across the country. So it's just the US, the globe is another thing, but across the country, we need to get it down right? Just as people like Dr. Anthony Fauci has been saying for God knows how long, he probably can't bear to say it anymore. We need to stop that curve, right? We need to get it more flat. Then I think it's safe to use some of these technologies and tried and true. And who knows, maybe in the future for future pandemics, because there will be them, but in the future, perhaps these innovative solutions that these technologies are doing with Live Nation will help us still rave during the middle of a raging pandemic. Maybe, I'm not sure. That's fascinating. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll definitely have to see you know, what happens with this. And we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on Ticketmaster Live Nation because these are big moves. And this is actually, I just want to say last point, this is kind of good news for Insomniac events as well because oh, yeah. Insomniac is owned by Live Nation. But Alec, I'm loving this. And I think this is a, a really great next topic right here because it just shows progression in our dance music scene to make our environment, to make the culture, to make the workplaces a much safer place for people of all backgrounds, all cultures, genders, whatever. It's trying to create an equal uh, platform here. So why don't you go ahead, introduce this next topic. I have to take a nice big swig of water from your speech earlier on. This is just something that I'm glad has finally come to be in terms of on paper, right? We've been talking about this for a long time in the industry, but having some type of ethical or even just legal framework and code against sexual harassment and gender discrimination is I think it's just very important to have this down on paper. And it seems like this is now coming to be. So AFEM has launched officially for the first time an industry code of conduct against sexual harassment and gender discrimination. Mm -hmm. I appreciate because they put this down 
on paper. So it's just more tangible, right? It feels like even though everyone knows that this stuff shouldn't be happening, that is terrible in this time, having it on paper, you know, or on a website. So virtually it it just has some type of accountability that you could put to it, right? Like you say, this is, this is something that we all almost are signing to when we're saying that we are in the music industry, whether you're a DJ, a producer, record label owner, Pascal Rotella of Insomniac, whoever you may be, if you're in the music industry, this is what the code of conduct should be relating to these type of interactions with people in the scene is while we have this code of conduct and it seems like it's a very nice framework, how do we ingrain this within the scene? Yeah. And this is, that is such a great question, Alec. And uh, especially coming from what I do in my nine to five job, like this is kind of like right up my, my alley here. First off, I mean, I just want to say like, it's 2020. So the fact that we need a reminder of like, what is decent, basic human behavior is kind of appalling. But like you, Alec, I'm just glad that someone took the initiative to kind of put the words onto paper for the dance music industry. But I love your question about like, how do we actually like action on this? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's on a website. What's next, right? And what's next is really, really kind of ingraining these these rules and these guidelines. I don't even want to call them rules because rules is just such an ugly word. Yeah. But it's more like guidelines. Guidelines in the workplace and out of the workplace. We need these guidelines ingrained in the very culture of the teams who work at these various businesses. And we need people to live and breathe this. Okay. Too often we see those who have earned their stripes in the industry or have been in these positions for like a long time, not adequately dealt with. And organizations may not be willing to take action against these individuals because of the knowledge that they hold. So the question comes up of like, who will replace this guy who's like our A&R person who's been here forever and knows everything about our label, right? Can we find talent to take their place? And the answer is always, always yes. These wrongdoers and shitty people are more of a liability than they are an asset. And there are eager professionals at all experience levels who will gladly take their place and who won't, for lack of a better term, suck. All right. So, I mean, I just want to quickly talk about some of the rules in here um, in this in these guidelines that the AFEM has put out here. And some of the, my, my ones that I think really should be kind of read out loud here is section 1.2 quid pro quo sexual harassment okay and what is quid pro quo sexual harassment meaning that if you do this for me i'll do something for you so if i want to be crass and if i want to be crude about it if you sleep with me i'll make sure that you get a headlining spot on this club night right so that's a big one right there another one gender discrimination right this is huge and we have these conversations happening right now in the industry and this needs to be repeated but no person should be passed up for opportunities just because of their gender or how they identify themselves so again i'm loving how the afem has kind of outlined this kind of going along because we're not going to you know give you guys all the details here it's quite a long document but it's worth a read it says here like prevention like how do we prevent this from happening in the workplace and again it starts by having people within the company within the environment to champion these guidelines and then it it ends here with how are these people dealt with and then what does this mean for the rest of the organization so again really great guidelines here and i think that everybody can learn something from this especially 
when we have people that champion and action on this. So my quick question here for you, Samir, and I, this is probably good because of your nine to five job is, <laughs> wouldn't a lot of this stuff already be in the onboarding documents for larger companies such as Live Nation, Insomniac? You know, like why is this necessary to have as a separate document and code of conduct? Fantastic, fantastic question, Alec. So companies like Live Nation, I'm not particularly worried about. I mean, these are companies with tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of employees, depending on the time of the year, seasonal contractors and and people of that nature. I'm talking about the little clubs, the underground clubs that are popping up in your in your cities. I'm talking about labels that have like a team of four people. I'm talking about promoter groups. I'm talking about like these little, little groups of people that make our scene what it is today in these local cities, right? I'm not talking about these national companies. It's those groups who maybe don't have like an employee handbook or a code of conduct in place who may need some help kind of putting one together. Here's the thing about the dance music industry. There are a lot of groups that are not backed by national multi-billion dollar companies that make this scene what it is, that release music and that put on these live events. And they don't have the resources to kind of get this documentation together. So that's why I'm a big fan of what AFEM has put together. It's a wireframe and it's something that everybody can adapt. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, just for context for people, AFEM is a, it's a trade association. So this is specifically, you know, designed for employers within the electronic music industry. Mm-hmm. So this isn't looking to tackle necessarily sexual harassment that goes on between you know, people who are partying at a club. This is more against gender discrimination, sexual harassment in the workplace. I really do wonder, especially for the smaller employers, I mean, how do we integrate this into their employment, hiring, and employee relations, you know, operations on a day-to-day basis? Because this is an independent company, I don't know, within their own members, they could, again, it's still voluntary, they don't have to abide by this code of conduct. But this is where I really wonder how can we do a better job of just incorporating these into the smaller companies where they don't necessarily have to abide by it. If there are individuals who are heading up these organizations that are passionate about creating an equal environment, a simple Google search like code of conduct, dance music industry will yield results like this, like what the AFEM has put together. So that's a great question right there. But what about people who don't even realize that this is necessary, that, they, right. that this has to be done, mm-hmm. right? What's great is that our scene is having more conversations from people who have been discriminated against. And those stories are coming to light. And any good dance music professional that is worth their salt will heed these conversations and will someday, hopefully, come to the realization that this is something that needs to be thought about. But not only that, when you're in this industry, you have peers, and your peers will talk to you about what they're doing. And that will hopefully, again, motivate people to want to take action like this. Yeah, peer accountability, right? I think that's just, that yeah. is a key, key thing here that we have to do. It's just, it's something that needs to be done. So I yeah. think just to kind of wrap it up, my takeaways from this is that this is a very nice framework, right? It's a code of conduct that should be implemented and integrated into small businesses to large businesses within the electronic Mm -hmm. music scene. But I also think that we really need to do some work on awareness building and outreach, right? Because that's the way that we're going to get larger scale adoption of this code of conduct or code of conducts that are based on this. It doesn't have to be exactly the same thing, but there needs to be an outreach mechanism. Right on, right on, dude. 
Alec, great, great news and culture topics. We talked about a lot of really key issues, a lot of big things happening in our scene. But dude, I'm getting burnt up right now in this sweater that I'm wearing because I'm just feeling so passionate right now, man. I'm feeling passionate. So while I'm taking off my sweater, why don't you introduce the next section? Oh my days, okay? It is the what are we listening to section, the penultimate section of this podcast. People love it because we rate and review either two tracks, EPs, or albums. And this week, we've got two tracks that we're going to give our official rating on. So Samir, for all the new EDM champions that are just joining us for the first time, what's up? We see you, but can you please introduce them to our official rating scale? Here on Beyond the Beats, we have our very own unique rating scale, and it ranges from levels one through five. Level one is what we call one listen. It's where you listen to a track and you're probably never ever gonna listen again, but you're encouraging other people to give it a listen. Level two is what we call background noise. It's when a song comes on, it's playing in the background, you're not gonna really do anything with it, you might be doing other things, you're not too bothered by it, but it's there to keep you company. Level three is what we call turn it up. It's when a song comes on, you grab the volume knob and you turn it up. Level four is what we call Just Bought Tickets. It's when you listen to a piece of music, you listen to an artist, and you immediately look up the next time that they're coming to your town and you gotta buy those tickets. And level five is Speechless. It's just you and the music. The song transports you into another world and literally leaves you speechless. So to recap, level one is one listen, level two is background noise, level three is turn it up, level four is just bought tickets, and level five is speechless. Let's get back to it. Thank you, sir. No problem, dude. I just want to say, you, you got me riled up right now, dude. I've got like pit <laughs> I can stains see. right now. You really like, did you, take you off saw that, dude. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, no, well, not the stains, but that's a little gross, but... Didn't need to know that. I, I'm, I'm just getting riled up. I'm getting pumped up because we got so much great music to talk about. And Alec, I know you and I are both very pumped up on this one. So where are we going first? Let's do it, baby. I'm ready for this. All right. We are going to the future, but in the now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. David Getter Morton. They have started pioneering what they are call, calling future rave. Okay. So this new track called Save My Life featuring Love Peak. I hope I'm saying that right. I Love think you Peak. got it. I, don't, I wanted to say Love PK, but I don't think that's really... Definitely You're Love thinking Peak. about it too much. Thinking <laughs> about it too much, right? But anyways, back to the track. This is David Guetta and Morton teaming up with Love Peak for the track Save My Life. We need to be keeping an eye on David Guetta and Morton more. Big Room, I never thought I'd say this, man, but Big Room is coming back in such a major way, all right? I mean, the kids online, the kids online are calling it Future Rave or New Wave. I know, Alec, you and I, we're going to refer to it as Future Rave. I mean, but whatever this is, I mean, this is seriously dope. I think this is the best collaboration I've heard from Guetta and Morton. And what really intrigues me here are the massive stadium-filling kicks and the emphasis on these leading synths. I mean, the synths sound crispier and everything just punches like it's supposed to. Simplicity is coming back and it's made its way to Big Room. 
And dude, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I'm I'm shocked that we haven't talked about David Guetta and Morton before this release coming together for this uh, future rave. But this is going to be a massive trend for 2021. And I am here for it. This is dope. What did you think? I, I love it, man, because, you know, it's something new, but it's something old at the same mm. time. It's like if you combined Big Room with Acid House. This is essentially what's going on here. Nice. Right? They're putting kind of that. And Acid is really coming back in a big way, too. So I think they've oh, identified yeah. that. And they're like, how do we bring it to more of the mainstream stage and crowd and this is really the way to do it so you said that the kids online are calling it future rave but actually the kids online it's not just the kids online they're calling it that because david getter the man himself referred to it as future rave i believe for the first time ever he started playing out some of these tracks at edc mm. las vegas's live virtual rave um and he did a whole set just dedicated to future rave so he's really he's saying you know what this is exactly what it is is separate from big room it's got kind of the same type of feel to it in terms of the long uh, elongated build-ups and things but it's new and it's the future yeah. and it's the new way to rave and i love it man i'm so here for it just like you are yeah dude pe- people were talking hella shit on david getta uh i would say about four or five years ago. I mean, they were just calling this guy just nonstop cheddar cheese, but he is really coming back in here and keeping things fresh and exciting. Speaking of things that are fresh and exciting, all right, this is really fascinating. Alec, we got (laughs) Valentino Khan and Allison in Wonderland, and they teamed up for their song, Anything. So let's go ahead and let's give this one a listen. The truth. I love how smooth your segue was, but I'm not sure if it's entirely accurate because I don't know whether to be excited about this or depressed about this one because <laughs> okay. I really enjoy Alice in Wonderland and she's been on an absolute tear recently, right? She's done very well. And then Valentino Khan, he's been doing pretty well himself too. But yeah. it's a bit odd, isn't it? It's just a bit strange. It's like it's lacking something here. Yeah. Like uh, I, I can hear the Valentino Khan type of house production here right and then alice in wonderland's vocals and there's times where i'm like oh yeah this is a head bopper all right i'm i'm down for this but then there's times where i'm just confused it just seems to me samir correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like the mastering is a bit weird enough i, I don't know i mean yeah i i mean you're you're not wrong and i think that anybody regardless of like their music background or like their music intelligence I think they'll be able to pick up on this, that this song is very odd, okay? I feel like we really haven't heard this sound from Alice in Wonderland before, and I feel like Valentino Khan kind of really lent like a heavy hand on the production direction. Mm. But there's something about the mastering that really just confuses me and throws me off big time. At times, this song sounds like pretty cohesive, but then in too many instances, it just collides. Like everything just collides all at once especially when that vocaloid comes in on the drop, which it is super catchy, but it's also kind of annoying to listen to because of the way that it sits in with the rest of the track. But above all, what really confused me is why are Allison's vocals panned to the left? So that's what it is. Okay, that's what it was, yeah. Why? It just feels like most of the track now sits on the left side of my cans. And overall, (laughs) it's, it's pretty unique. 
But this is something, you know, I was really pumped up to see, but I'm just not feeling it, Alec. I'm not feeling mm. it. Yeah. Let's go ahead and start rating these ones. Samir, I want you to give your thoughts on this one first, even though I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with it. David yeah. Getter, Morton, featuring Love Peak, Save My Life is the name of the track. What are you going to give it? First off, I just want to apologize that we didn't really talk about Love Peak's vocals on this track because mm. he sounded fantastic. Like it just fit in so well. So kind of keeping all these elements together, David Guetta, Morton, Love Peak coming together for the song Save My Life. I'm intrigued, but not yet enough to want to buy tickets to go see this live. I'm going to give this a level three out of five. Turn it up. This is the start of something beautiful right here. And this is going to be a fascinating trend to witness as we go into the next year. So level three out of five, turn it up. Alec. What are your thoughts? That's a very solid rating, my man. And I'm right there with you. Level three nice. out of five. Just turn it up. You know, it's funny. I wanted to give this one a level four. So just bought tickets. But in a vacuum, as we always like to say, right? Uh, in a vacuum alone, this song wouldn't push me necessarily to go buy tickets. Go to Ticketmaster, the monopoly of tickets, and just purchase them there. Or go kind of back channel through Reddit or Facebook Marketplace. But it's it's a great, great directional track right i think it just shows the direction that they're headed in and what they want to do with future ravers the new genre or subgenre that they're creating so i'm all about it i'll definitely turn this one up but in general i do want to say for the record i want to see a future rave set live from yeah, these two just not this this track in particular didn't push me for that but i'm already sold on buying a ticket yeah all right that, I'm, I'm loving to hear that man like it's just an exciting trend but let's see how you're feeling about Valentino Khan <laughs> and Alice in Wonderland. They teamed up for the track. Anything, Alec? Give me your thoughts, please. So I'm, I'll be more generous. Not generous. That's, that's kind of the wrong term. I don't want to be so harsh. God, I sound like an old grouchy man. I, I've been, I've been watching here. a lot of Kitchen Nightmares with uh, uh, Chef Ramsay. Oh, Jesus. Right? And you guys, you guys just got a lot of similarities. Do we? It's fucking raw. <laughs> All right, sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go that far. I won't go uh, Gordon Ramsay on it. But this is a level <laughs> two out of five for me. Background noise, keeping it on in the background will be fine for me. I I, I kind of want to. I'm just. It's not one listen because I'm intrigued. I kind of want to go back and keep listening to it a few more times just to see if there's anything that comes to light. Not sure if there's anything that will enlighten me beyond what I've currently heard, but mm -hmm. I don't want to give it that low of a rating because I don't think it deserves it. Yeah. But I think it's creativity really saved it. And let's just hope they team up again and do something a bit different. Yeah, totally. Totally. Ah, man. I, just, I know where you're so going. Just do conflicted. it. I'm so conflicted. Um. But in the end, I really didn't like this song, and I'm never going to listen to it again. This is a level <laughs> one out of five. You one weren't listen conflicted. That you no, bullshitted. No, I, I was. No way. I was. That's your I, no. true self coming out there. You you <laughs> said that. You just said that with a straight face. Uh, but I didn't like this song. That come on, don't lie. That's exactly you know, where a, you were. A lot were. of people don't like me because I I can be a bit too direct about these things sometimes. Where I don't like something, and I don't like this song. See, I just don't like there it. There it is. Tell it how it is. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling empowered to do so, and. It's cool to see Alice in Wonderland, Valentino Khan. They teamed up for something. They're good friends in real life. But this is just a odd, odd production. The mastering is weird, and you would not expect that from these two. So level one out of five, one listen. But here, Alec, here are two people who will never be level one out of five, one listens. 
okay? These are people in the underground scene that are just taking dance music as we know it and transforming it and blossoming it into something beautiful, something unique, something fun, something creative. And we got two artists every single week that are just killing it in electronic dance music. Welcome to the artists that we're watching section. Alec, I'm pretty sure I went first last time. I want you to give it to me straight, baby. Who you got? Well, here we go. EDM champions, ladies and gentlemen of the globe. From continent to continent, you will feel the bass on this one. I'm switching it up this week. It's going to be a bit different than what I've been featuring on the past few episodes, but I think everybody's going to be very, very glad I did. Just imagine yourself in a dark room, a dark club room, right? A little separated off. Not too much lighting. You got strobe, but you got some lasers. But you know what? The bass is just pounding, right? It's a packed room. Say this is a time where there's no such thing as COVID. You're packed in together. It's a little bit humid. It's a bit hot in there. They've got the smoke machine going, the lasers coming out, and then it goes dark. Right, it goes dark. Then it starts building up and up and up and up. And as you hear it, you see on the screen low poly because that is who's going to drop this absolutely banger of a track called afters take a listen I mean, just wow. All right. I want to, I want to, I want to do a call back to what we talked about earlier on in this episode, right? Okay. How sometimes like tracks that are just, that have a lot going on in it, Mm -hmm. what kills them is the lack of cohesion. But this guy right here, low poly came in, was just like, you know what? Just, just fuck everybody, dude. I'm going to do whatever (laughs) I want to do, but I'm just going to put it together like this. It was like a puzzle, like a beautiful 10,000 piece puzzle. This guy did it. He accomplished it. Dead Mouse obviously saw what what low poly was made of because this was released on Mousetrap Records. That is massive. Dude, I'm so pumped up on this. What inspired you to want to share this with the EDM champions? You know, I wanted to be a bit more creative and diverse with my pit this week. And so yeah. I decided to go back into my log of people I've been keeping track of. And I completely forgot about low poly for a quick hot second there because I, I went down a bit of a tech house and D&B dive. But I was thinking about, you know, forgot about the bass heads over here and kind of the glitch bass scene. And as soon as I remembered that I needed to get back to that, do some more bass music on this podcast, Low Poly came to mind and I remembered. So I've been keeping an eye on Low Poly for a while because I did come across while looking through Mousetrap's discography that Low Poly had dropped a song on it. And I'll tell you, man, I can see exactly why. This is just such a cool sound. Both drops on this song are impeccable. The sound design is fantastic. It flows, it ebbs, it weaves, it's cohesive, but yet has so much going on. It's everything that you could ever want in a bass 
or glitch, you know, with some half time DMB influence in it. It's just everything that you would want. And last quick thing on this, I would absolutely love to see a low poly back to back EEPROM set. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. You got me stoked, dude. I'm stoked over here. Alec, thank you so much for introducing me to low poly and to all the EDM champions out there. I, I'm sure we appreciate that. Dude. Oh, dude, dude, dude. Dude. All right. Uh, let me just first start off by saying big shout out to our friends at the Abyss Fest for curating an incredible underground talent for their most recent virtual festival that happened earlier this month. I had such a great time discovering new artists and one that truly, truly stood out to me was Malik's. I hope I'm saying that right, but Malik's. This guy delivered a set with such a unique and cohesive sound that I had to check out his SoundCloud. Well, lucky for me, he just dropped his album on November 13th. I mean, seriously, just a couple days ago. And it was the first thing I listened to that Friday when I woke up that morning. And when I say that this guy took me on a journey, I truly mean that, all right? This can be classified as a damn audiobook because it is just so (laughs) cohesive. The way that the tracks end and then go into one another is just so expertly done. I had a tough time selecting which track to play off of his brand new album, All Is None, but in the end, I chose Blind. This album will make you cry, it'll make you ponder, it'll make you want to call your ex. Don't do it though, please. (laughs) And then it'll make you want to punch a hole in the wall, all right? Don't do that either. (laughs) Yeah, don't yeah, don't do both of those things I just said. But here we go, dude. I gotta play this song by Malik's. It's called Blind. Take a listen. Get ready to get engulfed in it. Dude, I, I mean, you already know how I feel about this because I texted mm-hmm. you when you introduced me to this song and to Malik's in general because this is just, it, it's one of those that I feel like is going to be kind of game-changing. I really do believe for the underground bass scene or whatever whatever the hell he decides to do next. I just think it's, it's, it's incredible the amount of emotion that is packed into this. It's not just aggressive, right? Because you do find that some... Sometimes it, things could be just a bit overly aggressive or it's just only yeah. aggressive. But there's depth and there's emotion here and it just makes you not only want to dance, but it makes you want to feel the music, right? You really feel it. And I think every EDM champion out there knows what I mean when I say you feel a song. This is something that you feel on your bones, even if you're not seeing it live. And I'm just so, so happy that you came across this and, and just again, shout out to the Abyss Festival for putting them on the lineup yeah. because wow, oh wow. 
this is this is gonna be game changing absolutely bro i mean i think that was what i said to you i mean this guy is changing the game i'm just so stoked on this and i'm just i'm encouraging all the edm champions get out there get connected with malik's get connected with low poly i mean you just you can't miss these two you just can't all right but that is the end of episode 80 we've talked about a bunch of great things <sighs> but you know what dude Let, let's just let's just put this all into a little present we'll just put this all into a nice little box put a nice little bow on top of it and just end by saying this all right if you're enjoying the show please don't forget to hit subscribe <laughs> drop a rating and review we'd greatly appreciate it but above all keep being you and keep killing it every day Guys, we are off next week for Thanksgiving, so there will be no new episode next week, but we will see you soon on December 3rd for episode 81.